You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Down low for Hironic into the slot for Valeno. To the back door for Bergman, he scores! Delia diving to his left, got a piece of it, but couldn't hold it out. Uh, it's not never good to lose 6-1. Yeah, not good. Not the best. It's all over, people. We don't have a prayer. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Tuesday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning, I suppose. Uh, Andy, good morning to you. Good morning. Gregory, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. You guys know that I'm using your proper English names. Mm. It's A-Dog. It's Laddie. in trouble? No, you're okay. That was a good intro. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I have nothing clever to say today other than he loves Kintech. Jason, take it away. Well, I love Kintech, and what better day to love Kintech than Valentine's Day? Good segue. Kintech, you're my Valentine. Getting awkward. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Happy Valentine's, everyone. Are Happy we, are, Valentine's Day. Are we full of love for the local hockey team this morning? Sure am. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love you. Having this, fun now. This marriage is going great. Uh, <laughs> Let's stay together uh, forever. Two points away from uh, drafting Conor Bedard. First overall chance. I was going to say. Two points away. Two points away. For, from fourth overall. Yeah, like you are in love with the stealth tank, which is now just a full-blown real yeah, it's tank. It's not a stealth yeah. tank anymore. <laughs> so there's your Valentine. We are two points away from fourth best odds of drafting Connor Bedard. big, disgusting tank rolling along to potentially a lottery win. Uh, it is Valentine's Day. We do, I repeat, we do have the playlist. I don't even need to say Jason's playlist because mm-hmm. the Halbro fans the thousands and thousands of little Halbromaniacs out there, they know what today represents. So it's going to be a little weird. If you download the podcast on Valentine's Day, you're going to hear us talking about all these songs that aren't in the podcast. Right. It's a licensing issue. There's music that we can play. There's music that we can't play. A lot of today's music we can't play on the podcast. So when we come back and start talking whimsically, about these love songs mm-hmm. without actually hearing the song. Yeah. That's on you today. I'm putting it on you. I know Valentine's Day is about relationships, but today I'm putting it on the listeners. You're going to have to use your imagination. There is some Chicago in there, led by frontman Peter Cetera. You're my inspiration. There he is. Well, or as Halford used to call him, Peter Cetera. That's right. Peter Cetera. <laughs> I did that too. Yes. Yeah, I got uh, on the air, no less. You're yeah, my yeah, Valentine, yeah. Andy. I got in trouble for that. Well, it's Halford. One of my did... first days at uh, Radio NL in Kamloops, I called him P- Peter Cetera. Really? Because <laughs> Halford did that on the air too. Yeah. yeah. Peter Cetera. The guy was like in my booth, but he's like, what did you say? Yeah. <laughs> it's Peter Cetera. Peter Cetera, you know. Like, yeah. And his brother, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. Uh, big show ahead on a Valentine's Day. So the playlist is going to happen. 7 o'clock, our guest list begins. It'll be Nick Shook from NFL.com. I think this will probably be our last hit with Nick for a good while, at least until free agency and the draft. So we'll do a little bit of a look back at the Super Bowl, but more a look ahead. QB carousel, coaching carousel, everything that's going on. Because, again, everyone's open for business now that the Super Bowl's done in the NFL. Nick Shook's going to be joining us at 7 o'clock, 7.30. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. And then at 8, 
Thomas Drance. So a bevy of hockey talk, both locally and nationally, with Drance at 8 and Wish at 7.30. It is a busy night in the NHL tonight. Nine NHL games. Uh, you've got a few really interesting ones to pay attention to. Canadian teams, Chicago-Montreal, they've got a game. Ottawa and the New York Islanders, led by Bo Horvat. They've got a game. Seattle and Winnipeg as well. Five NBA games. Champions League is back, folks. It's actually some pretty tantalizing fixtures as they get further and further into the knockout stages. Uh, you got Spurs in Italy to take on Milan, uh, PSG and Bayern as well. So it's a lot of sports that's going on today, a lot of things to get into. But before we do any of that, we need to tell you what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? Canucks lose again to the Detroit Red Wings. Again. Dylan Larkin, who I think has 90 points against the Canucks this year. Uh, Dylan Larkin and his teammates on the Detroit Red Wings swept a home-and-home series with the Vancouver Canucks thanks to a 6-1 win at Rogers Arena on Monday night. This comes after the Red Wings, you know, took care of business in Detroit early Saturday morning against the same Canucks team. A lot of Red Wings got points. Not many Canucks players did. Sheldon Dries got the only goal. Colin Delia made 17 saves. And the Canucks now have one win in their last five games. And their head coach was very candid, Jason. Very candid in his analysis and assessment of the Canucks' performance last night. Well, we'll get into Rick Talkett's comments in uh, just a second because I think they were the most exciting part of the night or the most intense part of the night. Dylan Larkin. Uh, Well, I'm talking about for the Canucks. I think, yeah, Dylan Larkin played well. Um, For the most part, for the Canucks, they snoozed their way through the game. Um, They were not physically present, and they were certainly not mentally present and it started uh really with puck management issues and we're gonna pick on this guy a lot today and rightly so oliver ekman larson had a terrible game yesterday tough valentine's day for oe awful the first goal he is in a position along the hash mark so he's pinched in he flings it into the middle of the ice bad pass it turns over and it puts Elias Pettersson, who's covering for him at the point, and Luke Shen, who's uh, not fast, in a very bad spot because Dylan Larkin gets it, and Dylan Larkin is one of the fastest players in the NHL. And he split Luke Shen and Elias Pettersson rather easily, went in on a breakaway, and scored. And really, the Canucks had no answers after that. Did they give up much in terms of shots? No. Did Delia play well? <laughs> no. But, you know, there were these still these these breakdowns, especially in the third period, where there was one goal where <laughs> both Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers, I think it was, went off on a change. But the Red Wings had the puck. That was bad. Like, at their blue line. So all they had to do was, like, a quick up. And it was a 2-on-0 in on poor Delia. The Red Wings scored. I mean, that was just I, – I, I'm not going to sit here and rip into Delia because he really shouldn't be in the NHL. 
Martin and Delia, I tweeted this out last night. Spencer Martin and Delia came into the season with a combined 41 games of NHL experience. Right. 41 games of NHL experience. And it's not like they were like, these these guys that were, they're, they're not like 22 years old. And the, and the reason they have little, so little experience is because, the, you know, they, they're just so young and they're these highly touted prospects. They're not. They're, 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 they're AHL goalies, really. Yes. That, that 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 shouldn't be at the very least Spencer Martin should be a backup in in the NHL or the very most that's what Spencer Martin should be and when you pile on a team that either has no idea what it's doing defensively or no interest in playing defensively the hard things that go into playing defense and we'll get into that because Rick Tockett explains those sorts of things is anyone surprised that it's gone so badly with Delia and Martin? You, you shouldn't be surprised. No, not at all. I mean, you would need to play airtight defense to be a successful team in the NHL with that goaltending tandem. And they're not even close to playing that. Not even close. Not even close. Like, not even close. The, the, the scary part right now, if you're a Canucks fan, is that um, <laughs> the roster looks as inept and as frustrating as it did under Boudreau. Tockett's come in and changed some things mm-hmm. and altered some systems and done this and that and the other. But a lot of the criticisms that he's lobbing at this team aren't a lot different than the ones that we were lobbing at the team. That in The only really thing Boudreau did different is he didn't throw guys under the bus with such regularity. And Tockett's kind of free to do that because that's what he was brought in to do. He wasn't brought in to maintain the status quo. I certainly don't think he was brought in to try and build this group up. I think his sole purpose right now is to find some guys on this team that might be able to play the style that he wants to play. I think the whipping them into shape thing is going to be very difficult because I don't think that a lot of these players are in a formation process. I think that's a more of a culture thing than anything. He's just sending a message that he's not whipping them into shape in order to finish strong. I think he's just trying to teach them the basics of hockey. So basics in hockey are... Make smart line changes. Well, they failed in the one that I just talked about when Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers went off the ice in the third period in a rid- in a ridiculous moment. And talking afterwards was like, I don't know what they were thinking on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, other things, um, respect uh, puck management, especially when you're a defenseman in the offensive zone because you cannot give the puck away then yep. because then you've got a forward defending. Win board battles. He's mentioned that a few times. Talk it. Now, Andy, this is going to hurt your feelings here, but when he talks about Kuzmenko spinning around out there, yes, he's not talking about like the Connor Garland type of spin moves. What he's talking about is not stopping on pucks. And you're taught from a very, uh, like when you first start practicing in hockey, you're taught that if if the puck goes the other way, you don't do a big loop. You don't do a spin on the ice. You stop, and then you take your little steps, and you go back the other way. Now, is it easier to do a loop? Way easier. Fun, too. I have not stopped on a puck in beer league in 20 years because it's hard, and I'm out of shape, and I don't want to do it, and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But in the NHL, you stop on pucks. Yeah, and that's what Tockett said in the postgame. I think he said start and stop, stop and start about, I don't know, 
five, six times. Put your garbage in a garbage can or failing that, a cool wet sack. Yeah. yeah. It's actually your food in a cool wet sack. Thank Rick talked. <laughs> Rick talked it. <laughs> Guys, if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're parsing words here, uh, and I'll do it, Rick Tockett basically called the Canucks uh, lazy and dumb last night. Yeah. Lazy is not stopping on pucks because it's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Dumb is not flinging the puck into the middle of the ice when you're a defenseman or making ridiculous changes. So he's called them soft. Those were his words. And he again, said he didn't call them soft. He well, said he just referred to their game as soft. I'm like, those are the same things. Well, when your game is soft, you're soft. Yes. And last night he's and he's talked about this a lot. Like he's he's used that for like, are we a smart team? And the insinuation is we are not a smart team. So he called them lazy and dumb last night, and that's what they were. Okay, let's hear from the head coach. I I took the time to isolate four different clips. Consider this: he only spoke for about six minutes. But uh, one thing I really like about Talkit so far is he's verbose. And also candid at the same time. So he's got the ability to explain himself. And he's not really afraid about throwing whoever needs to be thrown under the bus. And throwing under the bus probably isn't the right terminology. He's just very blunt and direct. And he's looked at this team from the outside. Now he's seen it from the inside. He doesn't like any of the views. It's not good. Let's just run through some of these, Laddie. We'll come back and we'll discuss what the coach said. But uh, let's just start with um, talking, talking about what his job is moving forward. You know, it's my job, the coaches, to, to make these guys understand stuff, you know. Um... We're going to practice tomorrow, and we're going to have to go back to grade school on how to defend, how to stop and start, because uh, too many guys are spinning. Um, very high-risk team. You know, I thought we, in the road trip, we thought some parts of our game, I thought we got it, but then uh, you know, we get this high risk. And um, you know, some of the better players tonight, you know, they're just too risky for me. He, he does accurately point out that there's a lot of risk with this team, and I think then he should put, look at the, the win-loss standings and be like, but very little reward. <laughs> there's almost zero reward with all the risks you guys take. It's like it's all risk, no reward. Uh, let's fire through some of this other stuff too because I really do want – I, I kind of want to let the clips speak for themselves. Sure. Because you don't even – you're like, I'll parse words. I'm like, I don't even think we need to. We don't even need to read between the lines. Like he's – everything that Talkett is saying – is the stuff that most of you, dear listeners, have been saying over the last few months. Laddie, you know what? Just It's, it's a smorgasbord of, of, of quotes. Just take whatever you want and throw it out there. More Rick talking from last night following a 6-1 loss to the Detroit Red Wings. Well, it's hard to be consistent. It's hard to win. It's hard to be part of the process. It's hard to stop and start. And we just, like I said, we've got to strip it down and we've got to just you know, make people understand how important it is to do these hard things to win. It's a start from the first goal, you know, uh, throwing a puck away and we give, a, you know, their best player a breakaway to start. It's, it's you know, we talked about it. Um, we had a good practice, you know, half-decent practice yesterday. But, uh, you know, it just that then the ball starts right there, you know. Then you get some guys get frustrated smashing, which, you know, no more smashing sticks and stuff. They, like, you can't be entitled in this game. It's, it's, a, it's a hard game to play and we got to stick together. Um, that's just the way it is. That's what teams do, good teams do. So a lot of people were pointing towards the turnover and talking just completely baffled that they were able to give a free look to Dylan Larkin in the first 10 minutes of the game with that kind of breakaway. Then there was a lot of people making note of the uh, no more smashing sticks line from the head coach. And you can see 
and you can understand who he's talking about individually. My big takeaway right now is that Talkit is a guy. Oh, I think it was OEL who was smashing his No, stick. I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, but it, honestly, it doesn't matter because you could plug JT Miller in there as well. Mm-hmm. The, show, show some composure. The point Talkit's trying to make is, what are you smashing your stick for? Like, I could see if you made a really good, hard effort or hustle play and it didn't work your way. Mm-hmm. You could be like, damn, I'm frustrated. But you were doing the things that have caused mistakes throughout this first half, two-thirds of the season, and you're smashing your stick. Like, that's where the entitlement things comes mm-hmm. in. It's like, who do you think you are? Like, if you want to not have the mistakes, put in a better effort. Because he pointed out quite astutely, none of the mistakes that they're making are anything other than a result of being too risky, making bad decisions, and not even doing simple, basic things. Like, mm-hmm. he's preaching. When he says we got to go back to grade school, he's talking about literally, like he said, our practice is going to be a walkthrough tomorrow. The very core basic principles and tenets of what he wants to do, they're not doing it. I think he's baffled a little bit at just how bad and inconsistent this team can be. I know after that Seattle game, the infamous one where he called the team soft, he also said, well, what I've been told about this group is they have a very hard time of putting together back-to-back consistent, predictable, that's his word, predictable, Mm -hmm. efforts. And now he's seeing it play out in real time because what's happening is – He said, you know, we had a pretty good practice on Sunday, and then it's followed up by this performance. And he's learning. I mean, uh, let's play this clip now where he talks about it being a learning lesson because that's the reality of this is just when you think you got this Canucks team figured out, they'll throw another curveball at you. Here's Rick Tockett talking about the learning lesson he's currently going through. Well, it's a learning lesson for me because you can say, okay, we had six and four, but other teams go through the same thing. That's why structure, discipline – you know, leadership, they get you through these games when you just maybe don't have your best. You know, I know some guys maybe didn't have their legs. If you don't have your legs, then you got to play smart hockey. You know, you have to, you know, don't chase the game. Don't have 2D below the hash marks on a play. Like, you got to be smart. Um, you know, everybody has duds. Don't get me wrong. We, and obviously, we've had our share uh, over the, this year, but you, you got to... You got to win those games when you just don't have your best. You know, you you got to pack it in. We, we got to protect the guts of the ice. And that's like tomorrow. Tomorrow practice is is going to be a protect the guts type of practice. We have to. It's uh, too many of those cross ice passes. I've seen a lot of them this year. So two things on that. Number one is I saw some people on social media. They heard the quote: "The tomorrow is going to be a protect the guts." type of practice and people were like oh does that mean he's bag skating them and if you would have just read that and that's all you got you might have been like yeah that's probably what it means like protect your guts because you're gonna barf yeah uh he doesn't mean that he basically means just protect the middle of the ice and thank god for that huh one of the many things that they're (laughs) gonna need to do and number two josh and mission texts in and says guys let's face it the players are super fatigued with the season when you're playing out the string in a year like this, some games uh, will go wrong and you just won't have it. Plus, we want to tank anyways, right? Okay, I agree with that last part. But when you don't have it and the Canucks are coming back from a long road trip or a lengthy road trip from back east, and they always say the first game back can be the toughest. Um, but this is what talk it's talking about when he says – that's why structure, discipline, leadership, 
those things get you through these games when you maybe don't have your best. And he, he actually said, I know some guys maybe didn't have their legs. But if you don't have your legs, then you've got to play smart hockey, end quote. Mm. So don't whip the puck into the middle of the ice. And I realize I'm picking on OEL a lot, but I should because he was terrible last night. Mm-hmm. He did not play well at all. The first two goals, the first one was his giveaway. The second one, he got walked, and then I don't know what he was doing for the rest of the play, but it ended up in the Canucks, Canucks net. And we need to have a conversation today. I don't think we'll have it right now because it might take some time, but maybe on the other side of this. What are the Canucks going to do with this guy? Satin Bick talked about it extensively on the postgame show yesterday. It was hard not to have the conversation. And I think Bick astutely brought up the fact that when you watch his struggles, especially last night, it's not really a physical issue. It's not, oh man, he's can't keep up, although there is that element of it. It's the decision-making at times. It just seems baffling for a veteran guy that's played a lot of games in the NHL and has played under this coach before. Yeah. And, so, a, and a veteran guy that should know that he doesn't have the speed to back up for his mistakes. Like a lot of people were, uh, were one person texting and said, you know, like Quinn Hughes makes the same mistakes that OEL made on that first play. Well, Quinn Hughes has the speed and the legs to get back. Not all the time. I mean, Quinn Hughes makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. But the upside for him is so much more than skate. it is for OEL because he can skate. And he can get back and and make up for those mistakes. OEL wasn't close to getting back on that play. Not even close to getting back. Yeah. Uh, I do want to touch on a few things that happened on the out-of-town scoreboard last night. The first one, just kind of a funny one. Uh, the Coyotes beat the Predators 4-2. to two. And I'm looking at the standings right now, and I see Arizona, two points back of the Canucks. Just Two points back of the Canucks. Arizona, a team that was clearly stripped down in order to be in the, first of all, save money game, but mm-hmm. also the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. I've also shut down Jacob Chikrin. <laughs> they are only two points back of the Vancouver Canucks. That was their first road win in 19 games, <laughs> and they're only two points back of the Canucks. They haven't won on the road since 2022. Like They've been terrible. It's not like they've gone on a crazy heater, but the, the Canucks are now fully and firmly in that bottom five conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't even care if they're not there standings-wise yet. Just watch them play. Just watch them play. They have the yeah. worst They have the worst goaltending tandem in the NHL right now. Is that correct, Laddie? Quickly, oh, tell yeah. me off the top yeah, of your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't even know what some of these other no, you don't, teams you, have. If it was, yeah, no, no. It's bad. I mean, it's, bad. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not good. Uh, Ottawa's might be, because Ottawa had a guy yesterday, I think they grabbed off the street to be their backup goalie. And then their starter was a Matt guy. Matt Sogard is not a guy off the street. The backup. Okay, don't, the backup. Don't, yeah, the backup. Yeah, don't, don't get him started on any goalies. Did you see the guys? I don't, yeah. No, it was it an e-bug that they had? No, it know, was or? a guy that they signed, but they had Mads Sogard yeah. in that. So that might be on par, W-H-L but they won goal. last night. That's another thing we should get to on the out-of-town scoreboard. But. Uh, what, who, Calgary? Calgary, yeah. Oh, Calgary. <laughs> Calgary had a 3-1 lead in Ottawa very late in the game. The Sens pulled the goalie and scored twice, and then they won in overtime. So that's a point that Calgary just could not hold on to. Mm-hmm. They get a point, but they also lose a point. Now, after the game, Daryl Sutter said, man, we dominated that game. And you look at it, and they did, based on shots and the fact that they were up 3-1 with just a few minutes left. 
So everyone's question is, oh yeah, who's in goal for Calgary? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was Jacob Markstrom. And he, not much he could do on the second goal that Ottawa scored, but the tying goal, he looked all out of sorts. And probably they, they were they really killing could, him. They really could have used a save in overtime. They were too. killing him for the Stutzla winner in overtime because it just didn't look like the kind of shot that. Yeah. Uh, it looked like the kind of shot where you're just trying to get it on net. You're not trying to score because it's from a bad angle. And I know mm-hmm. Stutzla got it like it lifted it in a hurry, but uh, it was not good. And now there's a piece up at Sportsnet.ca, courtesy Eric Francis, that he said the quiet part out loud. Uh, they got to go with Vladar and net. Over Markstrom. So there's something to monitor moving forward. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of monitoring things moving forward, we have to move along here. We have to go to break. When we come back, uh, we can dive into the Dunbar Lumber text line to talk Canucks. We can have the conversation about OEL. It's like that movie. We need to talk about Kevin. We need to talk about Oliver. We do. That's coming up next. Uh, we can go around the NHL. There were some big stories there. A reminder, guests in the 7 o'clock hour, Nick Shook's going to do NFL. Greg Wyshynski is going to do NHL. We have a big show ahead. What we learned in the 8 o'clock hour. If you want to get those in, do it now. Text us. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Lots more conversation to come as it pertains to your local hockey squadron. Don't change the dial. Don't go anywhere. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You know, every has duds. Don't get me wrong. And obviously, we've had our share. (laughs) You got the dud! (laughs) (laughs) Hey! It looks just like you, Poindexter! Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Bick Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alfred and Brad for the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. You're the inspiration, which you will not hear on the podcast. Co-written by Peter Cetera, or Peter Cetera, depending Peter, on Peter your pronunciation. Uh, and David Foster. Now, the interesting thing there is that song was off Chicago's 14th studio album, yet the album was called Chicago 17. Mm, interesting, isn't it? Why not 14? <laughs> where did a couple of EPs in there mixed Where in? did these three albums go? I hope Patterson's listening right now, because that was, that was wonderful. I bet he's not. He's requesting a trade tomorrow, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those two guys in the morning that came on a little strong. <laughs> Uh, you are listening to the Halford and Breff Show on Sportsnet 650. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. In case you're wondering what the hell's going on right now, why are you listening to this at 6.35 in the morning? It is Valentine's Day. Uh, Jason Bruff, an annual rite of passage, a tradition on this show, is to put together the Valentine's Day playlist. Some of the best adult contemporary love songs, predominantly from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we, not me, I don't want to take any credit for this or the creepiness inherently with it. <laughs> I want to distance I, myself. I want to distance myself in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> uh, all of the songs somehow dedicated to the Vancouver Canucks in some way, shape, or form. That's why you got to listen to today. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the songs are going to be, and you don't know how weird it's going to get. But also with a little bit of love. Do you remember when we had the four-hour show with different commercial breaks, too? So we, we had to get like 12 songs. Yes, I remember. Because there were two breaks within the hour. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was fun. That was actually quite a bit of fun. It was. It took a long time to put the list together. I know. It was actually quite painstaking. This is basically the Valentine's Day playlist in the nutshell. Consecutive texts coming in within 10 seconds of one another. That was one of the worst radio hits I've ever heard, you guys. You should be ashamed. Followed by, ha, 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 ha. That was amazing. Valentine's Day and is- And then na- Kurt, Kurt texts in, currently crying on my way to work after that. 
there's no. I'm, I'm glad he said after that and not just currently crying on my way to work. Yeah. Ended it. Yeah. You're my inspiration. Or just crying because he has to go to work. Yeah. Uh, I'm not listening to the show. Currently crying on my way to work. There's no real middle ground with the Valentine's Day show. We acknowledge that. You got to go hard. People are either going to love it or going to be the, what the hell is this? This is worse than usual for I'm kinda, guys. I, I kind of hope for the what the hell is this. We're, well, it's, it's started. It has definitely started. Well, speaking of what the hell, what the hell was Oliver Ekman Larson doing last night in the game against the Detroit Red Wings, which did not end well for the Vancouver Canucks? Oliver Ekman Larson got it started with bad puck management, not a smart play. Uh, and then after his mistake, which was a bad pass into the middle, ended up with a Dylan Larkin breakaway because poor Elias Pettersson was forced back on defense and Luke Shen was forced to skate as fast as he could. And guess what? It wasn't as fast as Dylan Larkin can. Uh, OEL apparently smashed his stick, very frustrated. And not only did he get called out for the bad pass from uh, his head coach after the game, he also got pa- he got also got called out for the smashing of sticks. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, OEL is a guy who is considered a leader on this team. He wears a letter uh, on his jersey, and you know I, I I keep coming back to what are the Canucks going to do with this guy because I think we can all agree he's untradeable. Yes. At this point. Yes. Not only does he have a full no-move clause, so he would be in control of any destination that he could theoretically go to. Remember when he came from Arizona, he said, I'll go to Vancouver or Boston. His contract, really, with four years left on it and a cap hit for the Canucks, just over $7 million, that would demand a massive sweetener. Attached to it, like sat sat was, su- sat was suggesting, and I don't know whether he was joking or otherwise, and that's how sad it is because I couldn't tell if this was a joke or not. That it would take three first round picks as sweetener to um, to move that contract. Well, it would take more than one. Yeah, right. And so I that's think, sad. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's a problem. Obviously, he's untradeable. I think we can also agree, for the most part, that it's very unlikely OEL is going to rediscover his game. He'll be 32 next season, and his mobility is a big problem right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's fighting something right now, but we all know he had the knee surgery a couple of years ago. He was fighting mobility in Arizona before he came to Vancouver. He's And he's not getting any younger. I think the, everything you're saying here is very straightforward and very obvious, and there's going to be zero pushback to it. With four years left on his deal, a buyout would not be pretty. But neither is the alternative right now. And the alternative is keeping him in the lineup and taking up over $7 million in cap space. That might be uglier than a buyout. A buyout would see OEL remain on the books. If the Canucks were to buy him out this summer, mm-hmm. <laughs> he would remain on Vancouver's books in one way or another for eight years. Until 2031. Because he's got four years left on his deal, so you double that. And you spread it out. Mm-hmm. At which point there might be just be robots playing his position. We don't know. It would also require ownership to pay him almost $20 million over those eight years to not play hockey. But <laughs> if management can convince ownership to bite the bullet this summer, 
the Canucks would get almost his entire cap hit off the books for next season. It's just the way the contract has struggled. I don't understand the I formula. I don't get it either. But if you go to cap friendly, you'll see that next season, his cap hit would be very minimal. But then it gets higher. And then it gets higher. Then there's a couple of seasons <laughs> where it's into the four millions. None of it makes any sense. And it's not ideal, but at the very least, this is a slightly mitigating factor. Then you're like, hopefully the cap is going to climb then. Right. And climb quite aggressively too. Hopefully. But this is one of those situations where <laughs> you're like, you can't buy him out. Well, you can't keep him in the lineup either, and you can't. Trade well, you him. can't keep him in the lineup, but you can't buy him out, right? Like you just, you just, mm-hmm. you go back and forth, and you get back, you back and forth. Now, I know there's going to be some people that that say, "Well, find an injury for him, find find an injury that that forces him to retire or something like that." Okay, S- send him to Abbotsford. He's that. got a no move clause. Yeah, you oh, can't that, even do that. Oh no, I didn't you, think about that. that there will that be, be no a moving. problem. There will be no moving. Oh, that can be a problem, right? Right, and also. You've got this whole thing where does ownership really want to pay him, even if you could send him to Abbotsford, right? Does ownership really want to pay him to do that? With a buyout, yes, you're paying him not to play hockey. A but lot. with a buyout, at least you're saving millions of dollars at the same time. Because you basically pay him out two-thirds of his contract. So, yes, you have to pay him $20 million over the eight years to go away, essentially. But overall, you're saving $10 million in total cash. Like, the decision is such a tough one for the Canucks, and what they do this offseason, I think, is going to say a lot about how quickly they want to turn this thing around. Because if they want to turn things around in a year or two, then you buy them out. You absolutely buy them out. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking more long-term... You might wait a little. There is the Minnesota Wild example in terms of a playbook or a blueprint on how to handle this. Is that Billy Guerin, when he inherited the team, you know, when you inherit some of these contracts, Bill Guerin inherited the Suter and Parise contracts. And I think that at a certain point, well, I don't think, I know, at a certain point he realized that if they were going to move on in a variety of ways, in terms of changing the culture and changing the leadership group mm-hmm. and giving some flexibility, they had to bite the bullet and buy out Suter and Parise at the same time. Now, it has put them in salary cap hell. It is really tough because they are operating underneath the ceiling by a significant margin. But it was one of those things where you're going to have to rip off the Band-Aid at some point, and that process is going to be painful. Do you want to undergo that process now? Do you want to undergo it in a couple years' time? Or do you want to keep the Band-Aid on this festering wound knowing that it won't fix anything? That's the analogy there. And it is very relatable to what they have to do with Ekman Larson. Because if you're, if you're talking about buying him out, you're going to have to go to ownership and say, hello, I would like to pay Oliver Ekman Larson $19.3 million to not play hockey for us anymore. <laughs> but you get to spread it out over eight years. So, you know, well, it's I, actually quite a deal. I kind of agree with this texture. Just wait two years. Wait until they're competitive theoretically, in two more seasons, and then buy him out. You can't keep wasting years. Well, no, because he helps the tank. Oh, There's the upside to this. You can't keep They don't want to do that. They've been in the tank for 10 years. They don't want to do that. But they're not going to be competitive. Well, maybe they will be, but it's unlikely they'll be competitive in the next two seasons, so just ride it out for a couple more years. You can't waste two more years of Pedersen and Hughes. 
That is definitely an argument for it, yes. <laughs> he can. That is correct. Well, they threw away this year. You, we, Jason and I were texting back and forth. Yesterday. I'm like, this was a complete waste of a year. Mm-hmm. But realistically, are they going to be competitive next season? Like, probably not. That's not the point, though. The point is that they've got guys that they need to do something with. You know, we've had the conversation a, a, a few times on this show, and as we go back on this, Sophie's choice of, yes. of what to do with OEL. <laughs> it's so bad, but like, do you remember we had that conversation a few years ago when we looked at the Canucks lineup and we were like, sometimes you're just screwed. Yeah. Right? Like I, <laughs> sometimes you're just screwed. I don't envy screwed. the position anybody's in. Like, I, every, when talk is, is talking about his team, I'm like, that guy's screwed. He's got to, he's, <laughs> he's got to teach him how to play hockey. Yeah, he's got to go back to like grade school, as he put it. Like, that, and he, and he knows it. He knows it's not going to be easy. And here's the crazy part is he probably knows that most of the work that he's going to put in isn't going to actually work because the roster is so fundamentally flawed. But you can't just punt on two more years and play ekman Larson regularly. Well, you, know, you could. You, you could. But they might you anyways, could. though. They, but, they might. But, but, what, but no. what about this What about this group? Not by choice, I mean. But they what, just... ab- what about this group has ever operated in a, let's think about the actual long term. Jim Rutherford himself might be the last time he ever speaks publicly. But he said, you know, we're going to turn this team around. We hope to turn it around in a year or two. If you want to do that, you buy out OEL. Yeah. You, if, that's, if, that's if, so, if, so if you want to do that, you buy out OEL. It's so Because you get so him almost entirely off the, off the people like People are always like, well, you got to fix the defense. Do you know how much that would help to have an additional $7 million in cap space for next season? Are there long-term consequences to that? Yeah, there are. But the Canucks have continually ignored the long-term consequences. So why should we expect them to do anything, anything differently? Yeah, it's. I mean, it is one of, if not the worst contracts in the NHL right now. So they just, they just don't have a choice at this point. They just got to buy them out. Just like, I don't. Well, no, they have a choice. Rip off the choice. band-aid. I mean, here's the other thing. I could I could see them uh, talking themselves into. Well, maybe we can. Uh, maybe he can reinvent himself. No more half measures. I say. No more half measures. Just do this this offseason. Get some cap savings. But more importantly, <laughs> this is sorry, go ahead. Get rid of him. Yeah. It, this isn't I mean, it's not going to get any better for him here. Right? And and it's not going to get any better for the team. They I mean, it seems very very cut and dry. And I think when Tockett has his end of year meetings with management, oh, he's going to say like we cannot bring back this blue line really as it's currently constructed in any way, shape, or form. Major surgery has to start right there. Ekman Larson was a minus three last night, and he only played 17 minutes. And I know not all his games are as bad as they were last uh, last night. Um, but for me, it's the number one problem really facing this team right now because it represents so much more. It represents not only in a, in a very inefficient contract – but it also represents, like, if he's on this team, he's going to play, and he's not going to play well. Mm-hmm. So how do you improve? Like, there's not many defensemen, right? So if you have one that's playing top four minutes and drastically underperforming, then you got a problem on your team. Um, before we – we got a little bit of time here. I would love to get into the other sort of big news of the day yesterday. Uh, and it was all online, on the line as, as it was. Uh, Sportsnet's very own Ian McIntyre doing a Q&A for Sportsnet.ca with Connects General Manager Patrick Alvin. And there were a number of takeaways from this piece. Good job on iMac for asking some of the questions. But the number one quote, without question, the one that caught people's attention the most and caught the most eyeballs was when Patrick Alvin 
essentially trashed whatever the team did in the bubble and said that it wasn't worth a hill of beans. So the question was, and I'll, this is going to be a little extrapolated, and you're going to have to hear me talk. Bear with me. IMAC asked, quote, Before the season, you identified five core players, Bo Horvat, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, and Thatcher Demko. With Bo gone, does that mean that now you have four untouchables? Five minus one equaling four. Here's Alvin's response. I do think that we have some untouchables. We've got some really key pieces, and I believe we're trending in the right way here. Look at the history of this team, and you covered it. I mean, the bubble year, I would take that year away because the good teams didn't want to play. Yeah, some of the younger players that got a first taste of the playoffs and didn't have families, everything for them was great. But it's such a long time since this organization had success. End of quote. So uh, you, and I'm going to steal your thunder here again, you astutely pointed out that this organization has had two kind of brief fleeting moments of success over the last little bit. Mm-hmm. The Bruce, there it is era. Remember that? Wasn't that long ago. <laughs> there was the Bruce, there it is era. And there was the bubble. Right. And those are the two. Those are the only two since making the playoffs under for like Willie Desjardins first year. And what does the current management group think of those two brief fleeting moments in time? Yeah, they they d- d- dismissed both of them. Very like, dismissive. We all, we, we the bubble all... doesn't count. The good teams weren't trying. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much. The good teams didn't want to be there. The bad teams, like us, we wanted yeah. to be there. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but management was not all that nice to Bruce Boudreau and did not think much of the Bruce There It Is era. It's true. The good teams didn't want to be a part of that either, apparently. I, I don't. Um, I, I'm. I'm but he's absolutely he's, right. I'm shocked that he's he said it out. I'm right. shocked that he said it out loud, but I'm glad that he did because it's been something that's been percolating with this organization for far too long. It's quite a shot. I wasn't really expecting like Alvin, you know, to just be like, you know, I th- bubbles bad. Well, he wasn't with the Canucks, so he was probably yeah. with an organization that was like, we don't want to be here. Yeah, he's inching right? closer and closer to the cold slap of reality guy. Do you yeah. know how many times in that piece? I don't know if everybody's read it. I think he mentioned four times in that piece that the Canucks were 27th in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, he's not talking about it nebulously, like, oh, we're in the bottom five or we're in the basement right now. He knew exactly where they were in the standings, and he made a point of saying that they are 27th in the NHL. Yeah, he, he, he brought that up in the press conference as well. You know why he's bringing that up? Because that means that they have to surpass 26 teams to be where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Right? They, He's basically saying, prepare yourself for anything because we're 27th in the NHL. And they've come by it honestly. They have earned 27th. Mm-hmm. They've done it by losing multiple games at home. <laughs> right? That was another thing with last night's game. Yeah. How, looks so familiar to all the 5-1 losses Boudreaux had early in the do, year at home. Do you guys think there's going to be a move this offseason? And maybe this is hopeful Jason talking here because I feel like I did this last year. Do you feel like there's going to be a move this offseason that is going to be like, holy cow? Um, like to the point where, you know, I, and I don't even know if I'd count trading Demko as that because we've talked about it so much. But, you know, the moves that come out of the blue, and we've had a few of those that have come out of the blue are like, whoa. Miller might qualify. I mean, just based on the fact they just signed him to a big deal. That yeah. hasn't even started yet. Mm-hmm. And if they're like, you know what, maybe we made a mistake. This isn't working. See you later. I right. think pulling the trigger on a Demko deal would still – would still do it. Surprise. What about an OEL buyout? 
Yeah, I don't see them doing it. So you don't see them doing it. Why not don't you see year. them doing it? It's just too much money over a long period of time. Just so, just ownership would be like, yeah. I'm you're not, not wrong. doing that. <laughs> there I'm is a lot not of doing that. I, that's what I think. They would have. Yeah. I think we would have. I could the see rumors. ownership going to management and being yeah. like, fix him. Put rockets on his skates if you have to. Look at like, Eric Carlson. Just do that. Yeah, do whatever. Yeah, do, Carlson do that. Does. Whatever they did with Carlson, do that with OEM. Get him bionic knees. Like, what do they want? Yeah. To do? I mean, there's got to be some major, major moves this offseason, right? They've already traded Horvat. Um, at this point, I don't know if, I guess, trading Brock Besser would be a major move. I think it's going to be more. But it needs to be like a major move would be trading. Demko or trading JT Miller or buying out OEL, multiple moves. Like, this is, again, major surgery. One of the things that Alvin mentioned in that piece, which I also thought was interesting, was he made a point of saying, hey, look, in this flat cap environment where everyone's stuck in the mud and no one's making any moves, we've made the most moves in the NHL this season. Then you go back and you look at it. They really have. I think it maybe gets lost because there's so many other dysfunctional things to talk about with this team, but look... Dickinson, the Dickinson trade to kick off the season. The DiPietro and Stadnika back and forth, that mm-hmm. trade happened. The Ethan Bear trade happened. Like They have made the most trades in the NHL this right. year. And, and but not, only one really got our attention, right? Yeah, but, I mean, again, in an environment where not much movement is happening, to be the team that's made three or four trades, it's something to be said. What I think is going to happen. Yes, ha- that, that is true. Something to be said. They're desperate to make moves. Yeah, they're, 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 they are doing everything they can to try and, as you mentioned, uh, orchestrate this major surgery. I think what's going to happen this offseason is it's just going to be a litany of moves. I think you're going to see it might not necessarily be the big wow factor. Well, they need to fix a penalty kill, so they're going to need, even if those aren't major players that are coming in, mm-hmm. they need to shuffle whoever are their penalty killers, and, and the, the bottom six could be completely reshuffled. Yeah, like I think it's going to be a series of moves, maybe a little bit more along the lines of the Jim Rutherford that we knew in Pittsburgh, where mm. it was this constant churn of got to move guys, got to move guys. I mean, the, the penalty kill alone, as you mentioned, is going to need almost brand new personnel. Speaking of the penalty kill, uh, we are inching closer and closer to the 60% bar. I'm very excited about this. The, the sub 60. Oh, club. yeah, because Detroit went one for one last They were night, perfect. Right? They, were, they perfect. were perfect. Yeah, that really helps the cause. When I threw it out there yesterday and you scoffed at me, you're like, no way, no way it's going to happen. I had a moment. Still scoffing. I had a moment of maybe I shouldn't have put it out there. That's gone now. I'm glad I got it out there. The sub-60 club, it's alive and well. It's at 65.4 right now. See, it was at 65.9 going into last night. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we made big strides. We made big gains in the sub-60 club. And a again, month, a month from now, you're just like, well, well, well. Bruff just grizzled, <laughs> big beard, shaking back. And How forth. the turntables have turned. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm like you said, it won't happen. Yeah, it won't. I contend that it, it very well could, because here's the thing: there are no signs of improvement. Mm-hmm. Not a one. I know. Have you seen anything? The goaltending is getting worse almost on a nightly basis. I know it'll prove when Demko gets back. That's going to hurt my chances. The other, they just need the other team to start taking penalties during the power play because that's a great way to kill. So the or or <laughs> oh, or yeah. or the Canucks take a penalty, so the Canucks go on the power play, mm-hmm. and then they take a penalty really quickly because then you get like a twenty second kill. Yep. Yep. Now they could still, I suppose, give up a goal in those twenty seconds, but I mean, the Canucks could. But they, that that's yeah. that's the way you 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 artificially bump up your. Taking, PK taking needless penalties right near the end of regulation. Oh, like yeah. Seven seconds left. That's Excellent a, move to, to that's goose, a kill. To goose the PK. <laughs> that's a kill. Don't do that. 
because I want to see sub 60. Okay, uh, coming up in the 7 o'clock hour on the Halford and Breath Show, more Valentine's Day love as we roll on here on February 14th. Uh, also, Greg Wyshynski is going to join us. Nick Shook is going to join us. We're going to do NFL with Nick Shook. We're going to do NHL with Greg Wyshynski. we got a lot of talk to get into in the 7 o'clock hour, 8 o'clock hour. The Drancer is going to join us, and we're going to do what we learn. Get yours in now. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. It is the Smalt Alternative. Uh, let us know what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. Hashtag it WWL. We'll read it at 830. It's your chance to be on the radio. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Connect Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Your home for Canucks coverage on